Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield, and welcome to the Mizog Art Podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to this, which is episode number 31 of the Mizog Art Podcast. This week is a very special episode indeed. Not only am I speaking to the amazing Katie Piper, but in just a few days after this episode is released is the opening of my annual Face Value Show at Jealous East in Shoreditch. This is an exhibition I put on every year for the Katie Piper Foundation a charity that helps people who have been affected by severe burns and scarring. The face value exhibitions are all about the changing of identity at the hands of another. Now, if you don't know Katie Piper, she really is quite an amazing woman. In 2007, she was a model, and on one particular afternoon, she was walking down the street speaking to a guy on the phone that she'd been out with just two occasions. On the second occasion, he beat and raped her, and terrified her so much she was so scared she didn't want to put the phone down in case he was watching. As she walked across the road, a stranger walked up to her and threw a vat of acid in her face. Katie went running into a cafe where they doused her in lots of water, but not before the acid had had a devastating effect on her face and chest, which has culminated into over a 100 operations to date. And it turns out that the man that had thrown it into her face had been paid to do so by the guy that had raped her just a couple of nights before. It doesn't get much lower than that, right? And after she came to terms with the changing of her identity, she set up the Katie Piper Foundation for people with similar injuries. What a woman, eh? So if I can be so rude as to put Katie to one side just for a moment, I'll tell you the concept behind Face Value 3 Dirty Work. Now, as you've heard me say many times on this podcast, in the mid-90s, I was inadvertently used as a drugs mule, which resulted in me receiving a 14-year prison sentence. 
Before this had happened, I'd never had anything to do with drugs. I'd been around the dance scene for years, never had an ecstasy pill. Drugs weren't my thing. But now I'm forever labelled a drug smuggler, which has affected me about as much as being set up in the first place. Being used to do someone else's dirty work. For years I've been trying to come up with a concept for an artwork that was powerful enough to express this change of identity. And it wasn't until I met up with a Hollywood actor, Michael K. Williams, for coffee one afternoon while he was filming in London. And he was saying about how his scar, which goes from his forehead down to his chin, has changed his identity dramatically. He was a guy who grew up in the projects of Flatbush in Brooklyn. He kept out of trouble throughout his youth. He became a dancer and rose all the way up to be a choreographer for the 90s pop sensation Crystal Waters. He was out celebrating his 25th birthday when one of his mates was accosted outside the club by a bunch of lads. Michael went over to break it up and one of the guys turned round and slashed him from his forehead down to his chin, changing his identity forever. Shortly after, he was dancing on a few rap videos and they wanted him to come down the front because that scar made him look a bit more of a tough guy, which is something Michael really didn't like. But every video he was playing a guy called Omar. And again, this scar helped him get that role. And likewise, afterwards, he played a guy called Chalky White in the blockbuster Boardwalk Empire. So his identity was changed at the hands of another and he's now known for being something he's not, a villain. Michael told me how funny he finds it walking down the streets of Kensington when the mainly white, well-to-do people see this black guy swaggering down the road towards them with a massive scar on his face. He said that people's reactions to him reminded him of Moses parting the sea. And I said to him, could you imagine if it was a woman with that same scar? People wouldn't be scared of her. Because it's a woman, people would give her empathy. Most people would look at a guy with a massive scar on their face and think he's a villain. But you look at a woman with a similar scar, you see her as a victim. That do not say a lot about society. So our conversation moved on to ask the question, how much has your scarring contributed to your success? And during that conversation, I mentioned Katie Piper. Now, I knew Katie Piper had been a model several years ago. But again, I asked, would these opportunities have been given to her if she didn't have the scarring? It sounds like a god-awful question when taken out of context. But while we was talking of this subject, I mentioned about if I didn't go to prison, I wouldn't have discovered art. Something that changed my life from a situation that was tragic for me. I'm not saying mine was as bad as theirs. But everything's relative, right? This got us talking about our self-worth. But are we worth more now because of our change of identity? I wanted to ask that question with a body of artwork. I wanted an artist's artwork to be a metaphor for someone who had their identity changed. If I was to collaborate with an artist and use their work as a found object, would my input be derogative to the value of that work or make it more exclusive? So I put this concept to three artists that I've known for many, many years, all of whom are much higher up the artistic ladder than I am. That was Ray Richardson, Sarah Lucas and Gavin Turk. They all loved the concept and agreed to give me an artwork to change the identity of. A pretty bold and brave move, eh? And their born was Face Value. Now fast forward a few years and we have Face Value 3, Dirty Work. 
dirty work being the fact that I was used to do somebody else's dirty work and Katie was attacked by someone doing the dirty work of another. I wanted the donating artists of Face Value 3 to hand their work to someone that they trust who in turn betrays that trust and gets someone else to do their dirty work. I wanted the artist to experience something they may not have previously encountered on their day-to-day practice. I wanted them to feel something a little bit more than the vulnerability caused by blindly handing over their work. Something that really does take a large degree of trust. As artists, we create an identity within our work. An identity that one hopes the viewer will recognise as the me. But the manipulating artist has the pressure and the responsibility of the donor's trust. They have to create something that identifies as us. And it's something that really does make you question your ego. How much should I add or take or even leave behind? But as far as the dirty work part is concerned, each donating artist was told that I would be changing the identity of their work. All the artists know me and trust my judgement, but unbeknownst to them, I misplaced their trust. And for a few weeks, while they all thought that I was manipulating their work, I had in fact passed it to another artist. I asked them to do my dirty work. I'll just mention a few of the collaborations that have come from dirty work. The photographer Rankin, for example, donated two artworks. One was given to the Connor brothers, the other Nick Smith. Franco B gave several artworks, four of which I gave to one of the UK's leading tattoo artists and feature of last week's podcast, Emily Malice. We had two artists who are better known for their work in the music industry featuring this year's show, one being Pete Doherty, who donated one of his blood drawings, which was given to Bill Daggs. The other was Rolling Stone and a rock and roll legend, Ronnie Wood, who manipulated two artworks, one by Roy Maynard, the other Sarah Pope. And like last year, I wanted to include an artist from the homeless art group Cafe Art. And this year, it was a wonderful artist called Geraldine Crimmins, who donated an oil portrait called Jackie, and a photograph of a canal boat in St Catherine's Dock, which happens to have been called Windrush. They were manipulated by Mila Alexander and James Unsworth, respectively. Face Value 3 Dirty Work is on at Jealous East in Curtain Road, from the 18th to the 28th of April. And if that wasn't enough, Dario, the owner of Jealous, has said that after it's finished at Jealous East in Shoreditch, he's going to let it be shown in his other gallery at Crouch End, Jealous North, from the 1st to the 26th of May. Hats off to that man. All the works that are being featured are being put up on my Instagram page, which is Mizog Art, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. Go and have a look, scroll through, and if there's anything you like, Contact Jealous and make a bid. All the prices are there and the show's on for six weeks so there's pretty much no excuse you can have for not coming to see it. But now, moving on to my conversation with Katie Piper. We met up at the old Diorama Art Centre just off Warren Street to record this episode. So a big thanks to Jacob at the old Diorama Art Centre for sorting that out for us. As we mentioned earlier, Katie Piper's story is as amazing as it is shocking. And how she's come through that experience is nothing short of inspirational. But come with me now and listen to Katie's story yourself. I'm in the old Diorama Art Centre this afternoon and I'm joined by Katie Piper. Hiya, Katie. Hello, it's good to be here. For anyone who doesn't know Katie Piper, (laughs) would you be able to just quickly tell us 
about you. Okay, well, don't confuse me with Katie Price. That's what happens yeah. to lots of people. Um, not that that's a bad person to be confused with. But, um, yeah, so I suppose um, like I've got a sort of uh, quite a long background. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old now. And when I was younger, um, I was badly badly burnt in an yeah. attack I was a it was a high pro high profile acid attack here in London um, so and following that attack um, you know my recovery was sort of documented in the media here in the UK and I went on to set up a charity which is the Katie Piper Foundation um, for lots of different reasons yeah. I mean there was the medical reasons to try and get access for treatment for scar management treatment for burn rehabilitation and I had to access a lot of that treatment abroad yeah. so I had to bring it to the UK for free for other burn survivors but there, were, there was also a lot around identity a lot around acceptance confidence um, I went on a long search for my own identity because yeah. it physically changed my whole face um, was melted you know it's a corrosive substance and my face is actually my ass. Yeah. <laughs> they took my palm they took my palm off and they skin grafted it so I'm always talking about my ass. Yeah, I always yeah. say that they, they, sti they stitched it to my face and you know I had lots of reconstructive surgery my eyelids were made out of my groin you know all kinds of amazing wow. I could sit in it out think about that sort of thing no. when you think of skin grafts yeah. I just always think they come off your leg yeah you just think of a big patch of skin yeah. don't you yeah. yeah well they took like all the flesh inside my cheeks all the red flesh bit yeah. and they rebuilt the inside of my lids of all that flesh they took my rib yeah. for my nose. Yeah. They took the rest of my ear for my nostrils. I am Mr. Potato Head, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I did go on this big journey yeah. and through identity. And as a result, um, lots of people would write to me at the charity who, yeah, were the people you'd expect, the burn survivors. Yeah. But people who... Um, had uh, transitioned and had sex changes mm. would write to me about the, the loss of identity. People that had been to prison for long periods yeah. and lost themselves and who yeah. they were would write to me. People that had been sectioned would mm. write to me. And I think there's a lot of different groups in society that have had identity change thrust upon yeah, them and definitely. forced upon them. Because my identity, um, as, as you know, I was um, set up by a drugs gang and on paper now I'm always, forever will be, an international drug smuggler, which yeah. I hate. Sounds quite and exotic. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> but considering I never left a, a lorry park outside Essex, that's not, not so, so glamorous. No, yeah. not, not so glam. But I was trying to look at a way to express in art that change of identity. Yeah. And it was initially going to be, I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you before, it was initially going to be with, do you know Michael K. Williams? Yeah, yeah. For, um, who's got a big scar down his face, a Hollywood actor. Right. Um, the idea of Face Valley Free come through a meeting me and him had right, in Kensington okay. when he was filming Assassin's Creed. Because um, it was obviously, it was initially going to be about his change of identity. Right. And you come up in our conversation. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and we were saying about how a man with a scar, he's got a big scar from forehead to, to jaw going across his face. Um, he was saying that wherever he goes, people think he's a, a, a villainous yeah, type Yeah, they bloke. think he's violent. But if it was a woman who had the similar one, mm. then people would feel empathy towards her. That's right. Even though she's got the same scar, and they're mm. both victims. And then that's how we were talking about severity of scarring, and you come into our conversation. Oh, really? So we both agreed that if I could get in touch with the Katie Piper Foundation, right. the concept I had would work better with Katie Piper than it would... Michael K. Williams. Yeah. So then I contacted the face um, face value. So then I contacted the Katie Piper Foundation mm. for my concept to them, which I had. Mm -hmm. 
Which um, is so unique. Which is, yeah, it's just one yeah. person, is one artwork is the victim, the other artist is the assailant. Mm-hmm. Um, and we allow them to do as much changing of identity as they feel. Um, which is hard for an artist. That's, that's, I mean, that for me is ultimate vulnerability, isn't mm, it? Yeah, that's because they, they take their artwork to one point of, to their point of perfection, and that's yeah. when it's finished. Then they're handing it to me, who is then handing it on to an assailant to do whatever they like. Um, and that person feels like, initially, that they're the ones with the power. Yeah. But it's a little twist that everybody, all the artists find out, is that they've got the responsibility to make a second piece of artwork without ruining the first and being complimentary to a fellow artist. Right. And, yeah, that is a very hard thing. So the power shift the is The power does shift, and then yeah. it goes it goes sort of central, you know, and, and it's the, the donor that comes out, the sort of, uh, not the hero, but the, the good guy in the this. The saviour. You know? And no one knows this yet, but what we're doing this year, we're doing the same thing, but I'm going to be telling every artist... It's me who's working on their artwork. Oh, when okay. they donate work, I'm going to say it's either me or Lee Ainsworth who's working with us on this. So uh, we, we're going to say that it's us who's working on the artwork, and then we're just giving it to, to another artist to work on. In reality, yes. Right, okay. But we so the, at the moment those artists are going to think that it's going to be some sort of prism related or, or so your interpretation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the name of the show is going to be Dirty Work. So I'm ah, getting someone else to do my dirty work. Dirty work like yeah. with your situation, yeah. Um, someone paid another guy to, to change your identity, yeah. So yeah. getting someone else to do his dirty work. So me and Lee are getting someone else to do our dirty work on this. That's and so none of the interesting. Know that at the moment. And how do you think they'll feel? Because it's like, anyway, someone defacing your art, I think it brings up feelings of being violated, doesn't mm. it? Because it's a personal... Yeah attack on mm. perfect your ideal and, of perfection yeah and some artists handle it better than others but one artist on the on the second show didn't want to hand their work over yeah i can understand yeah, that it was, it was quite well a, the owner of the original yeah yeah, yeah the one who yeah. was handing their their piece over yeah it was, it was a to and fro as if we was pulling a christmas cracker when we was handing the artwork yeah. over did you know i bought a piece from the last one i did it's really it's yeah. huge it's heavy as well i know you bought the piece that it was initially ben Ines, yeah and then and it had been shot it had been shot with a machine gun yeah and it, it spelled out acid acid yeah that was a damn good piece yeah. the money from the sales is going to the katie piper foundation mm-hmm. what is it that the katie piper foundation does with the sales so the primary purpose of the charity is this rehabilitation. So if you think uh, when you get burnt and you know if you get severely burnt, you have a skin graft, and in time that scar, that burn gets worse to get better. So a, a skin graft or the burn will typically shrink and get really tight, yeah. really tough, and you'll lose inches. So like I've, I'm going next week to have an operation on my neck, right? So what's happened with my neck? I've lost inches. So that is as far as I can turn my yeah, neck, yeah. right? So I need a skin graft to add a couple more inches so I can look right yeah. behind me. My eyes starting to get pulled. I so mean, all, all I can associate with, and it's, it's going to be a million times worse, is when you've had sunburn and you yeah, can't you turn can't around move. so much. Or, you know, when you put, like, clothes yeah. in the tumble dry and you put your jumper yeah. on, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. my God, <laughs> my jumper's shut. So my whole yeah. face feels like, all over, it's been put in the tumble dryer, and it's just two sizes yeah. too small for my skull. 
and that's how it really feels wow. really tight. So when you, it's called a contraction, right? So when you get a contraction like that, it might stop you from shutting your eyes, yeah. which could lead to, um, you can't lubricate the eye yeah, surface, yeah. you can't blink, you lose your sight. It stops you closing your mouth, you yeah. get all kinds of infections. So it ends up being functional, especially on like somewhere like your neck. You might, if it ends up pulling it right down, you get curvature of the yeah, spine. Yeah. So you have to have um, skin grafts put in and you have to have scar management. So scar management works on pressure. So if you apply pressure to a scar through massage, through water therapy, through using machines called entomology, yeah. that when the scar is still malleable, that will make the scar heal like regular skin and it won't oh, go wow. tight and it will fix the is state. From, like, from very soon now after it's you happened? Have, you have to do it more or less once you haven't got open wounds. Like, in oh, the, so it can't be done... Well, it's more it's more effective in a two year window yeah. of the injury yeah. because the scar stays malleable yeah. in two years. After two years, it kind of toughens and tightens, and you need further surgery. So this having the right scar management therapy will reduce future operations, and you will get the maximum sort of stretch and benefit out of the skin. Yeah. And it will look less scar like. It will look flat, soft, and supple, and behave more like skin than a thick scar. But we have we don't have one scar management centre, one bird rehabilitation centre in this country. So I had to go abroad to France. I had to apply for specialist funding. Um, obviously, most people, when you're burnt, you're on benefits, disability yeah, benefits. Yeah. You're not working. Most people, not most people, but a lot of people will develop addiction to drugs, alcohol, antidepressants, and you know your your life has fallen apart when you have mm. a serious burn injury. So we uh, set out to set up a burn rehabilitation centre. Ten years on, we have a centre in Excellent. Merseyside. Nice. We have patients there. So we spend a lot of the funds on treating our patients, paying our physiotherapists. But we also do a whole other thing um, around the psychology of, you know, we pay for intimacy therapists that teach people how to have sexual relationship mm. after being disfigured. Yeah. We do makeup workshops. We pay it's, for hair it's jobs. It ruins confidence. It yeah. ruins everything. It ruins everything that you ever knew you were is diminished and yeah. gone. And there's this horrible thing in society that if you don't fit the bill, if you don't look a certain way, you can't be part of the human yeah, race, yeah. you can't be the CEO, you can't get married, you can't be seen as desirable. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like this, this is just like fashion and art, right? Yeah. Someone makes up that something's current and trendy and we all just follow it. So who is anyone to say what beauty is? Yeah. Beauty to you is your opinion. Beauty to me is my perception. But being a public figure, with your scarring, yeah, has really helped people change um, that perspective, hasn't it? And I like hope Winnie so. Harlow as well. Yeah, oh, she's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. and she's stunning. Yeah. And she's so confident. And what is that like, she's got? She's got vitiligo. Yeah. yeah. So she's she um, has black and white skin, yeah. and hers is very visual. You yeah, know, you can see it. But I always promised myself that I would never let anyone make me feel inferior. Yeah. Because. At the end of the day, all this is is our wrapping, mm. and you know, like our soul, our spirit. Like these are these are things that determine who we really are, yeah. and all this stuff like that you can touch and you can see, it's kind of like irrelevant because yeah. like when we want to harm another, we go for the exterior of what we can see. Because yeah, unfortunately, yeah. when when people see that for the first time, it, it's hard not to not not necessarily stare, but your program can be like quite that. shocking. Yeah, yeah if, if you've never seen it before. You know, I compare it to like. We've come so far with racism, with sexism, but not necessarily with disfigurement because we don't see it very yeah, often. Yeah. So if I saw someone in a wheelchair, I probably wouldn't even mention it to you. I'd walk past them and probably I'd think, oh, maybe they were in an accident or they were born this way. Yeah. I know why they use a wheelchair. If we walk past somebody severely burnt, we might say to each other, oh, the poor person, they must have been in a house fire or something. Yeah. Because we don't really see it as much. 
you know anything we don't see we're scared of but what we should do is we should take the effort to understand and educate ourselves and take away the taboo and not be scared and become informed and like you know when, when we do things like um fundraising and events these open up our minds and lead to conversations yeah. when i came to jalous the other was it last year we did yeah yeah last yeah, year i'm sure there were people that didn't know my story that might have said what so what happened to that girl yeah. then and then that starts an informative conversation mm. you know but i still get people stare at me now i still get people say stuff about me it's irrelevant don't you think unless i keep that as an insult that cuts and hurts what does it really mean about my life what yeah. does it stop me doing i know it's hard for people in society who look different but we have to go out there and it's, really it's, i think i think the thing is not hiding it yeah because like the guys who was in um the wars recently you know so many people have lost limbs yeah they're not hiding them they just get they haven't out got, there. they haven't yeah. got skin covered limbs anymore they've got yeah. bright metal and you know painted limbs and that, that you know they, they show them with pride yeah and then it, that sort of gets a, gets rid of all of that um the taboo yeah. yeah i mean don't get me wrong it's not that easy like anyone who's listening who has anything that it might not even be visible it might be an, an, an invisible scar which is sometimes harder yeah. it's not as simple as just go out and get, get on with it because it's not you know i'm on the internet i'm a public person i get people insult me on an hourly basis yeah. on the internet yeah. my appearance and when i was single and wanted to find a boyfriend it was hard and it was a problem for some mm. people but you know, life is tough, but so are we. We're resilient. Yeah. We as humans are resilient. We can adapt to different environments and you're not gonna be everybody's cup of tea. And that goes for business, for attraction, that goes yeah. for all different yeah. types of things. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And is it, was it hard to live with the empathy that people... Uh, that's not the right word. When, when people sort of come along and feel sorry for you, <laughs> is, is, that, is that hard? Yeah, it is, but it's like humans trying to express themselves in a way. Or even trying to sort of ignore it. If I you know. Like, you know. It's hard, isn't it? Because there's no right right or wrong way because as humans we feel different on a day-to-day basis and people are trying to understand you and not judge you, but sometimes they can, they can patronise yeah. you as well and that can be very difficult. Um, well, I met a guy... Um, about a year ago, he was on the London bombings. He was oh, on the yeah. bus. I didn't meet him until he was next to me. He's, he's, he's sort of just come up and he said, "Excuse me," and I looked round, and he had burns and disfigures yeah. on his face. And, and you, I, did you know what it was straight away? Well, I, I, I looked and I just saw it, it was quite similar to yours. Really. Yeah, he was he was a black guy, and, and you could see the bright pink areas on his face yeah, as well. And, and he'd, he'd lost a lot of his hair. You see, his hair was quite patchy. And I just turned round and I just went, "Oh." Because you weren't I, I expecting, sure, no. yeah. 
But as soon as I as soon as I looked at the side of his face, mm. and it was only a couple of seconds, I did go, oh, "I'm sorry." I said, "I'm so sorry." And he laughed and he went, "That's all right." He went, "Not many people apologise." Yeah. And I went, "I added." Oh, I didn't say straight away how did that happen, but we got into a conversation. He was telling me how it happened and because you didn't make it awkward. Yeah. You know, like, and I just think like sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes if it pisses me off, like, you know, so I go into a shop, like a corner shop, and the, like, the person served me, and they'll be like, oh, God, what's happened to your face? Yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, I don't know, why? <laughs> is there blood dripping? There's mascara yeah. running. Is there blood dripping from my yeah. face? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, then nothing's happened to my yeah. face, has it? If it's a little, like, if it's a four-year-old in a lift or something. Yeah, I mean, I had it, I was on holiday a couple months ago, and New Year, went away for New Year in a hot country. And I have a lot of burns on my body and I have quite a thick scar in that goes all down my chest where the acid dripped. Yeah. And then I have a big lump right between my breasts there where the acid just stopped to my bra wow. and it collected. Sure. So it's quite bad there. And I was in like a low-cut bikini top and this child, he must have been about eight years old, he was like, what is all over your skin? And I had no makeup on. Yeah. He was like, what is all over your skin? Am I going to get it being in the water with you? And I was like, no, I was like, don't be scared. It's an old um, scar from when I was young. I had an accident and he was like it's disgusting I hate it and but it, that's innocent fear yeah, yeah, that yeah. is it like a contagious rash mm. and I was like no it's not disgusting I was like it's just like a tattoo but I didn't choose it it it, it, it was chosen onto yeah, me yeah. and he was like please can you get out of the pool that's what she said to me <laughs> but, but, but yeah but you have to understand that yeah, it's only a kid he hasn't he's, got life experience fear, yeah, yeah and he's, he's genuinely fearful so I did get out of the pool my, my daughter was like mummy where are yeah. you going <laughs> secretly I was like oh, yeah. I'm going to go someday so I don't have to play with you bloke, yeah it's different I mean it's part of me was like yes now her dad can play with her yeah. so it was a really boring <laughs> game and I just went on Instagram <laughs> but you have to understand and you have to think of your younger self I, I would have been questioning what is it and you know I, I told him and and you know maybe when he's older he would he would understand and maybe he'll go back and discuss that with his parents and you have to remember I'm not in a position where I can tell a child I was in a house fire you know I was in an acid attack it's not up to me to tell a nine-year-old acid attacks exist yeah. you know their parents might be, be quite annoyed with me for doing that yeah. so yeah. Did, were you saying that about the lump on your chest there when yeah. I was at school there was a lad he had I don't know if it was fat or water, but either way, he'd pulled a, a saucepan off. Oh, okay. And that had gone on his chest. And yeah. his, his chest was horribly scarred. But he had, like, a little pocket in the middle of his chest. And, like, it used to fill up with water if he was in the showers. And he'd just squeeze it and it'd squirt up. Oh, well, he goes like his party trick. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah. And that, was, that yeah. was his way of when people would say to him, oh, my God, what happened there? Others would say, oh, he does this great party trick with me. Yeah. So it's sort of... He's sort of taken ownership of it, you know. I used to have a gross party <laughs> trick. Right? So, I mean, it's a bit dark, but, you in, you know, British humour, if you don't of laugh, course, yeah. you would cry. So I couldn't eat solids for three years, right? Oh, because when it happened, acid attacks, close range, you know, your arm's length, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I screamed, and a lot, a lot of the acid I ingested. Wow. So my esophagus and stomach was affected. So I had this thing called a peg. I don't know if you've ever seen, oh, like, when anorexics get admitted to psychiatric ward, they get peg tube yeah, fed. Yeah, 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 I know. So it's like a tube about that long, and they make a hole just, like, about here, and it goes directly into your stomach, and at night you attach the tube to a drip, yeah. and it's a bag of 2,000 liquid calories, and that's what I was living off. Wow. Um, so, and then when you're not attached to the drip, it's got a little, like, um, lid, and you, you shut it, right? So sometimes I forget to take the lid off, oh. right? <laughs> and if I laughed, like, all my stomach bile would come out. Out and like juices that come out and as I got a bit better I was having like all these threat operations to try because yeah, yeah. basically my esophagus 
healed over like a scar and it's yeah. sharp so I couldn't swallow at all so and they would go in and do this thing called dilatation where they put like a flaccid balloon down that would expand and oh, stretch yeah, yeah. it open, open so I'd be able to eat like pureed fruits yeah. so like one night I had like pureed blackberries right and then we were watching ten, I think it was Lee Evans I love Lee Evans we were watching Lee Evans and I started laughing and my finger went like erect <laughs> like that and then blackberry juice like squirted out everywhere and it used to be my thing I'd give it a squeeze and I'd just squirt everyone yeah, traumatise everyone else in your room but, but you know you talk about identity I'd, I'd sit there and I'd laugh I'd think oh my god just one year ago I was like this glamorous model I'd get on the tube guys would give me their seat yeah. now I'm like 26 years old living back with my mum and dad squirting everyone with my stomach juice you know? out of a swimming pool yeah literally, <laughs> literally and you're like how the times yeah, change yeah. but in life you have to have acceptance and then you can move forward yeah and that change of identity has changed your outlook on life yeah, it has, and it's had to because we all change identities gradually and naturally in the rich tapestry of life. Yeah. But some of us have things thrust upon us and forced upon us that we didn't welcome. But even if we didn't, and even if they're uncomfortable, we must embrace them. Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight, and sometimes we resist, and, and we resist yeah. for a long time. But when we eventually get to it, we kind of like make peace. You know, we, you hear about people making peace with the past. You have to make peace with the future as well, yeah. don't you? have to make peace with the present. So, yeah, I have. And, you know, I have a whole new life that you can't really ever speculate, would you have had that life anyway? Yeah. Would you yeah. have been that person? Because nobody knows. But I have a life that is different to what I might have had or did yeah. have. And then you're doing, you, you know, you sort of, you had a, a thing recently with the, the Strictly Come Dancing, which was a, a great way of putting yourself... That definitely wasn't uh, the right life for me, though. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but you know, you went on there not as a, as as a non dancer, and you've done as well as a non dancer would do. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, it was fun, but I can't dance. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was fun though. Yeah, yeah. and that's what it is, light hearted, isn't it? Yeah, and and likewise, you've done that the thing uh, with the police force. What was that? Called? Yeah, so that was on Channel Four. That just went out actually this week. Uh, famous and fighting crime. So that sounds like a bit of a frivolous title. It sounds like a reality show, yeah, really. Yeah. But it was quite hardcore. We did three months filming. Um, I did the night shifts, 3 p.m. till 7 a.m. And we wore a stab vest. And we went out. And, like, most of the um, people we arrested didn't really recognise us. Yeah. They're police women. They're half like Katie Piper. Yeah, they didn't. Oh, we, there was someone who was doing crack. And they were like... <laughs> oh my god like fucking hell yeah, yeah and he was like Katie Piper am I, am I like imagining yeah, it I was like no it's me he went yeah. did you join the police yeah. for a bit Sounds yeah a bit hard, yeah literally like, yeah. so yeah I mean it was so it was genuinely on the front line it was really interesting and um I came at it from lots of different angles and I did have a lot of empathy with a lot of the perpetrators mm. because life has taught me that nothing is black and white no. most things are grey and you go on this emotional roller coaster where empathy switches to different sides all the time in a triangle of victim police perpetrator so it was it was quite a soul searching um, and on the other side of the coin I've got a new programme coming out tonight oh have you? yeah and this is a, this is a real passion project for me that I want everyone to watch and it's about a young girl called Amy Spence it's a documentary it's in the crime and punishment strand on ITV so at nine o'clock tonight and she died and she was she died in mysterious circumstances she was found out of she came out of the window second floor apartment in Brighton yeah, yeah I remember that toxicology yeah. shows she had ketamine and cocaine in her body 
but it's not simple it's not straightforward so I don't want to give too much away but when you watch the program we've got the 999 call we've got the body cam footage of the police and then we've got everything from there on I went I went to meet her family and in that apartment was a dealer and lots of unexplained things happen and all kinds of things so for her parents it she died in 2016 Sorry, is it a Katie Piper thing or is it an investigative... Well, it's called The Death of Amy Spence presented by Katie Piper. So I'm there to present the facts. I'm I'm not there to side of anybody, you know, and and we have to give a fair... Daniel, the dealer that was in the flat of her, has to have a fair trial and he does have a fair trial. So, yeah. So I felt really passionate about it because Amy had a background of working um, in the sex industry and she was a recreational drug taker. And I feel like um, the media have for a long time used shame as a stick to beat women. And her story was like slightly reported in 2016 by tabloids of like druggy prostitute dies. And you're like, hang on a minute, that's somebody's daughter. Yeah, and it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. She was making a living and whatever she did for a living, she was a grafter, she worked really, really hard. She was a kind person. She wasn't hurting anybody. And lots of people do lots of different things in this world, and nobody deserves to be found naked, dead at 27 years old. Yeah. So why should we be so dismissive, and why was there so many unanswered questions? So I became quite passionate about the project and wanting to get to the bottom of this. And I think society's changing anyway now with women and like trying to shame them through sex and shame yeah. them for those those kind of things. So hopefully, like you know, that moves. Yes, as if they're not as important. Yeah. Or they put themselves in that position. Yeah, and like vulnerable people, like like we can we can embarrass people, and people are vulnerable, and we can hold that against them, mm. and then they go like silent in society, and other yeah. people get away of exploiting them. That's that that's not right, you know. And luckily, that's that's on the change. Yeah, I think it's diminishing now, um, and we you know like we it goes back to identity, like people trying to make us feel ashamed of our bodies, yeah. the way we use our bodies, like who we are, our appearance, like. Who is anybody to do that to somebody, you know? It depends what you believe in. Like, it depends if you just believe that the self of the person is just a vessel that is here at mm. the moment. Like, you talked about labels that are put on you. They aren't really you. Yeah. But it's 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 easier for us as humans just to put, a, that's you now. Yeah. That's yeah. Just, just, a, you've got to find a pigeon out or put someone Yeah, there, and yeah. that's that's lazy. Yeah. And, but that's an easy way to describe you. People are comfortable with that. They get that. They understand that. And they can just write you off. See, that's what like, I like about this conceptual art that I do. You've got to know about the art. You've got to sort of know the story behind it. Yeah. And that's just like with people as well. You've mm-hmm. got to know the story with you people. You do. Uh, yeah. I think that's the good, like, overall running theme between me and you, our stories, the art, is it's like you you can't just look. You've got to look. You've got to re-look. You've got to go back. Yeah. You know. First impressions aren't what they seem, are they? Never. And what's in store for you at the moment hopefully a bloody rest <laughs> you deserve it I don't know no I, I mean I, I really am enjoying this like kind of crime the crime and punishment genre that I'm working on yeah. like I am passionate like through the charity of giving like people a platform who are voiceless who are vulnerable so through like my presenting career I'd like to investigate more kind of unanswered cases and I'd like to go into prisons nice. um, and it's just something I really care about you know yeah. So, yeah, and I'm just really nosy and, and a real gossip, as yeah, you know. <laughs> and that will hopefully that sort of uh, help in answer some of the questions that you've been asking yourself for years. I think so. Maybe it does stem from, like, a personal thing as well, because do you know there's no act that isn't really selfish? Like, even when yeah. you help charity, right? Like, you know, my charity is my belief system. I genuinely believe we can change the world of disfigurement. 
but every idea, whenever you help someone, you get something from it, yeah, don't you? You yeah, get yeah. you get fulfillment, yeah, you, you get, get satisfaction. Yeah. So that I I I don't think you could tell me an act in the world that isn't completely selfless. Yeah. So so it's the same. Everything we do, everything we're driven by, always comes back to oneself, doesn't it? Mm. So yeah, we're always on a quest for answers, and we all have little voids that we're all trying to fill. Doesn't make it wrong. Yeah. And if you can help other people along the way, that's a good byproduct of it. Well, luckily, you know, from from after what happened to you and what you've tried to do with other people, good things have come from it for you personally as Katie Piper. With, I'm on about the TV and the yeah. journalism and what have you. So, I mean, it's I definitely... I found a purpose. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever good comes to you, you, you fucking deserve it, Aww. really. I got to meet you. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> so you, 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 know, you do have good luck. Yeah. Well, you know. No, I mean... I don't actually believe in luck. I do believe in opportunity and maximising opportunity yeah. and make and life is what we make it. And you know, you can turn around and think, Oh, this is shit and you can condemn yourself to like nothing will become of anything and, and if you want to look at life like that then probably that's yeah. what will be, yeah. you know. I mean look what happened to you, look at the life you've led. Some people could say, Well that's it, my life was ruined but no, you've had a second chance at life. Not because you're lucky, because you went out there and you yeah. made yeah, it happen. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, how many people come out of prison and say, "Well, that's it now. That was my life, and yeah. I can't get that back." Yeah, you can't, but you could, you could change the future, and that's yeah, what definitely. I find you inspiring because of what you've done. Oh, you know, like, and I think uh, other people can take that from that. That it's never too late to be what you might have been. Yeah. You think I'll be out going strictly come dancing? I don't see why not. <laughs> They've had a lot worse. <laughs> anyway, Katie, that's everything. Thank Aww. you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I, I'm a fan of the podcast. Oh, it's great you. to be on it. Now yeah. show me how to do the quick step. No, oh, God, I don't. <laughs> so how about that? Katie Piper. Is her story one of the most amazing, shocking and inspirational that you've ever heard? So that's why I urge anyone to come down to Face Value 3 and get involved. It's on at Jealous from the 18th to the 28th of April and then it's at Jealous North in Crouch End from the 1st to the 26th of May. And if you're unable to make the commitment to buy an artwork, then shoot over to www.katiepiperfoundation.org and make a little donation. It's a very small charity that needs all the help it can get. But if you're not able to make a financial contribution, go over onto social media, search out Katie Piper Tell her you've listened to the podcast and say hi. But I can tell you from personal experience that it is the little gestures like that that really do motivate Katie to do what she does. And apart from thanking Dario and All Down at Jealous for everything that they've done for this show and the last show, there is a pile of donating and manipulating artists that I would like to thank. And I'd like to thank these bunch of artists for not only their generosity, but their trust in me. And how I'm going to read out this list of artists is in the alphabetical order in which they were paired for their collaborations. And that is Lee Ainsworth with Dr. D, Jessica Albarn with Benjamin Murphy, Franco B with Emily Malice, Franco B again with Mick McNicholas, Charming Baker with Olivia Kemp, Ryan Callanan with Hayden Kays, Alexander Chappelle with Heath Kane, Geraldine Crimmins with Mila Alexander, Geraldine Crimmins again with James Unsworth, Pete Doherty with Bill Daggs, Flowers with Alex May Hughes, Patrick Hughes with Justin Verdi, Gary Hume with Dan Baldwin, Hayden Kays again with Lee Ainsworth, Kate Knight with Cy Sapsford, 
Gary Mansfield with Richard Woods, Sarah Maple with The Jealous Artists, Roy Maynard with Ronnie Wood, Michelle Mildenhall with Rugman, Zoe Moss with Shuby, Benjamin Murphy again with MC Yamas, Sarah Pope with Ronnie Wood, Pure Evil with Fanakapan, Rankin with the Connor Brothers, Rankin again with Nick Smith, Carrie Rykar and Bob Osborne with Kellyanne Davitt, Barry Rygate with Alice Irwin, Gina Soden with Charming Baker, and Nettie Wakefield with Dave Buonaguidi. And to Kate Bryan, who took time out to write a beautiful foreword for the catalogue, I'll be posting that up on social media later on as well. And last but not least, Mr Lee Ainsworth, a man I don't mention enough on this podcast. Pretty much everything I do goes through him first for a little bit of fine-tuning. So cheers, Mush. As I say every week, whatever platform you listen to this podcast, there should be somewhere where you can leave a comment about the show. I really would ask you to do that if you're able. It really is a big help to us and anyone looking for an art podcast. If you want to contact me or see what's going on on a day-to-day basis, go onto any of the social medias and look up Mizog Art, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. If you want to see the lineup for artists who are coming on the podcast, go to www.mizogart.com. So that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Ta-da. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.